You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Yeah. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Oh, once she grabs, she won't let go. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. None of that soft stuff. Rock, rock, rock None of that heavy metal stuff. Rock, rock, rock Just a little bit of jazz. Rock, rock, rock What do you think? Just I like love that. it. That, that was great. Thank you. I've read the news forever songs about it you may have seen there were times I struggled to come up with a topic but that's been a cinch since 2016 the news writes the songs that I put out each week so you can laugh when you just want to shriek Setting events to music is my technique The news writes my songs, it writes my songs These days the news is crazy And it's getting more nuts all the time Nothing I think up is half as funny as reality All I do is make this Michigas rhyme The news writes my songs and does all the work for me That isn't schmaltz and it's not false modesty I should pay a certain schmuck a royalty writes my songs, it writes my songs And these nuts in the right wing give me tons about which to sing They're like walking parodies and so inspiring And being able to laugh 
at some idiot's latest gaffe. We'll help you and help me find the strength that we need to save democracy. The news writes the songs that I put out each week to help you laugh when you just want to shriek. Setting events to music is my technique. The news writes my songs, it writes my songs. That's how I do it, cause the news writes my songs. Are you a multinational? I'm sorry, just yet it's formed with a very quick reminder. These videos don't produce themselves, but you can help me by joining my Patreon, where for as little as $2 a month, you can help me continue to make the videos that help you laugh the news and whatever make you proud. Thanks. That's what I was looking for, the applause. The applause. I had the wrong button pushed. But anyway, Lauren Mayer, everybody, getting us started as we officially begin the next part of uh, the year, right? Labor Day, the unofficial end of summer, was yesterday. So today it's back to work for most most people, not everybody. Some people still off, but, you know, the rest of us are back to work. Senate is back to work today. Yeah, um, not that I took time off, but but I'm stopping down here before we bring Digby on. Digby will be along in just a few minutes to tell you that I will be uh, taking some time off coming up, not vacationing, but moving. Yes, I know I've been threatening it for a while. It's finally happening, and it'll be sometime in the next like three weeks or so. So uh, he... I, everything is is in flux. I don't know anything for sure, but we're going to try to be adventurous on the move. So I am going to put together a bunch of um, uh, of uh, best of shows, like pulling some interviews from the past, uh, some that you've probably heard before, some that you may not have. From somebody the other day requested, asked if I have any uh, interviews with Tom Petty. Actually, I do. Uh, he came into my studio once when the, the album Echoes came out and sat with me for a while. And um, so, uh, you know, I'll run that one day. And I have another interview to go along with it, actually, from um, a record promotion guy, the guy who really is responsible for breaking Tom Petty. His name is John Scott. Uh, he wrote a book called Tom Petty and Me. And it's fascinating, like, back in you know story of um you know what usually goes on behind the curtain so we'll do that um i had mentioned a few weeks ago um vincent bugliosi you know the famed prosecutor who not only prosecuted the the manson murders but um it, it his name came up when uh well with regards to um you know the prosecutions of trump and um uh, well, uh, so anyway, Vincent Bugliosi is another one because he had written a book called The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. And basically, he gave attorneys general around the country the case. He 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 made it for them, and all he needed was one of them to bring it. None of them brought it. But anyway, this, this sort of is in, in rev- reverence to uh, uh, Fonnie Willis, who did something of that magnitude. So maybe we'll do a a, a Vincent Bugliosi interview. I, I got to interview him a number of times over the years before he died. Um, others, you know, I have Dr. Helen Caldicott. I have uh, Anita Hill. I have, um, I, I wonder, my, 
I started a list. Actually, I started a file uh, downloading some of the old interviews. So anyway, if you have any requests of, of something that you would like to hear while I'm on the road, please, um, you know, send them to me, Nicole at NicoleSandler.com. That is my, uh, my email address. As I've said before, I read everything. I reply to most, but sometimes things slip through the cracks. And just so you know, I'm one of those people I never delete anything. And I always think, well, I'll get back to that email. Once a day or two goes by, there are a couple hundred in there. And it's probably lost forever unless something reminds me. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, I pulled an interview with uh, the first time I ever guest hosted Tom Hartman's show. And Tom Hartman came on as a guest. And then Jesse Jackson called in. He was listening and he called in. So I have that. I have the Reverend William Barber, of whom I was enamored. I mean, I just I saw him speak once and was blown away. And then I got to sit with him at Netroots Nation um, in 2014. So almost 10 years ago. Brilliant man. So I've got him. So I've got all these. So what I'm going to do is put together a show and upload them all to Progressive Voices. I've, I don't have an interview with Warren Zevon. I, I know I've got the, the Platinum Record Award in here. I met him a couple of times. He came to my radio station, but I didn't do the interview. So can't help you on that one, Carl. But you never know. I mean, keep asking because I have all kinds of interviews. Uh, anyway, so I'll put together something so that Progressive Voices has something to run every day during this hour until I'm in Arizona and have a place where I could set up a computer and a microphone. Uh, but in the middle, um, you know, we're going to be driving. And so David Jackson and I will be driving from here to uh, to Arizona. So I'm still trying to figure out what we're going to do, but we will somehow, um, it, 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 well, somehow document the trip. Whether we try to stream live from the car on the YouTube's. Or, you know, just record and then upload it that night. The concern, to be honest with you, is that there are crazy people out there. You know, sorry, this is America 2023. There are crazy people out there. And, um, you know, safety. I'm not sure that I want to let everybody know exactly where I am as we're on the road. So that's still to be decided. We're going to figure that out. Um, You know, we have one, we have a stalker at Progressive Voices, and this guy, I think, is dangerous, and I don't trust him, and the authorities have been alerted, but still, um, you know, it it would be good to know, I guess, that um, if something happens to us, the police might know who to go for, but I'd rather something don't happen to us. So, you know, anyway, while we figure all that out, we'll go. But let me tell you what we're going to start off with. The day we hit the road, um, I taped an interview today that I cannot wait to share with you because it's one of my favorite um, historians, one of my favorite writers right now. Uh, and if you're not receiving the, the free newsletter from Heather Cox Richardson every night, Letters uh, from an American, what are you waiting for? Um, uh, I, I, you need to. You need to go to, um, damn it, I, I'll, I'll find the exact address. I believe it is Letters... It might just be her name, heathercoxrichardson.substack.com. Try that. Subscribe, because every night, and sometimes it comes in really late, she writes this amazing newsletter based on her her knowledge as a historian and a 
professor of history at Boston College. Anyway, her new book, and you can see this one's got a lot of lot of flags on it. It's called Democracy Awakening: Notes on the State of America. Um, it comes out on September twenty sixth. And when I saw she had a book coming out, I contacted the publisher and I said, I got to be in on this, number one, because she's brilliant. Um, But I need to record it early because September 26th, I will likely be in the middle of a move. So her book tour is about to begin. But they they gave me one of the first interviews, um, but asked me to hold it till we get closer to publication date. So... I think when we do hit the road, that will be the first episode. So I'll give you plenty of warning, just letting you know it's coming. And oh my God, she's she's so impressive. I really talk about being enamored of somebody. <clears throat> I have a new girl crush. Anyway, anyway, all that. And um, yeah, so exciting times ahead. Yeah, Lauren in the chat room said, Heather Cox Richardson is brilliant. She is and I, I'm I'm telling you, we, we taped the interview earlier today at uh, 12.30, my time. And I just want to share it with you already. And, and of course, it didn't go long enough. However, Sydney said, I looked, it's not free, can't afford. It is free. The basic newsletter is free. And I'll t- when, I, when I can stop down, when Digby's here, I, I can take a moment. I'll find the exact place. There is a paid version that you can pay for, but there's a free version too, which is what I get. I can't afford to pay for Substacks and podcasts. One of the reasons this one is, you know, not behind any paywall. So, um, uh, Sydney, you stay tuned. I will send it to you. Bella Lugrisi, you've been listening to my Women Who Rock test stream, huh? Awesome. So that's up. And I'll tell you, after the interview ended, we chatted, Heather and I chatted for a little while, and I, I was telling her about Women Who Rock because right now what's being put together is this radio station. It's of women, by women, for everyone to enjoy. Uh, but <clears throat> female artists, um, female, we don't have jocks yet, but they will be all women. But I was explaining to Heather that when it's going to be women who rock in all fields, not just music, and she got very excited. So she's also a music fan. So, you know, it's one of those, I feel good today. I probably also feel good today because uh, I haven't seen the former guy on my TV anywhere. Um, hearing stuff. You know what? Let's let's not wait any longer. Let me get Digby on the line, shall we? Because um, I'd rather hear from her than me. All right. I think this is the number we're calling. And, um, oh, shoot. I just realized... Um, well, let's what's do that, this. Leonardo? Hello. Hey, Who's Digby, Nicole hold on Sadler's next guest? Why, it's Digby, of course. You can't hear the intro, Who's but it's Digby? playing. Observe, Leonardo. Hello. It is playing. Hold on one sec. That's dig for dig and B for B. Digby. <laughs> hold on. couldn't hear myself over the intro that was playing digby but it's on the same pot that you come up on so you couldn't hear it so sorry about that of course i had to have one technical foul up today let that be the only one (laughs) yes okay so uh digby is with us heather digby parton you read her of course at salon.com and you've read her for how does this sound decades now (laughs) digby's blog.net well it was different before but but digby's blog at digby's hullabaloo um decades does it feel that long you know it does in some ways and it doesn't in others i mean it's just you know it has been a bit of a slog 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll say. Uh, there's been a lot going on in politics uh, over the last 20 years. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it also feels like it was just yesterday when we started. So, I mean, I can sort of say that about my life in general, though. So Sure, <laughs> no. And peculiar it, to this. Once you get to a certain age, and we're about the same age, it's, it's like, wow, t- I mean, 20 years. We throw that out like we used to throw out five years. Exactly. Right. So I I was telling the listeners, I got to tape an interview earlier today with Heather Cox Richardson. Oh, lucky you. Oh, my God. I'm, you know, I was a fan of hers before. But after talking with her, I love her. It's like I've got a new best friend. I mean, she's (laughs) just awesome. Now, I read her book. Have you heard? Have you read the book yet? I have not read the book. I read her her Substack every day, but I haven't every read the book. Every day. Well, the book, it comes out officially September 26th, but because we're moving, I got to get in at the very beginning of the book tour to record an interview, though I'm holding on to it. But, you know, I have two copies of the book. If you want one, I'll send it to you. I'd love one. All right. So, oh, my God. Yes. yes. Email me your address, and I'll send it to you. It is so oh, okay. good. And she is just... You know, you would love her too. She's like us. I mean, talking to her is like our conversations. She's she's so on the money and so knowledgeable, and and I love. She's also like a music fan, so we we can you know. And she's she's our age as well. And so you know, I was mentioning she's she's a teacher. She's a professor at Boston College. She teaches mm-hmm. history, and I think that's why she's so good at explaining things from her background as a teacher. But. Um, I was telling her about this project that I'm I'm working on, this Women Who Rock thing I'm putting together, and she lit up. And I said, well, you know, I did music. I programmed The River in Boston. She goes, oh, yeah, we love that stage. She, so she, and I said, yeah, but it was, 20, it was 20 years ago, which to me, it was like this, but, you know, it's 20 years ago. Every, sure, sure. No, in 20, but, to, to, you know, even then, going back through her, the book, the whole first part of it is a... Is the history is American history as kids need to learn it? Um, yeah, I, I I remarked that it, she she the feeling I got from her was like okay this is the next um, Howard's in this is a continuation of his work because oh, she's that good she really and sets the history in such a perspective um, and then she goes on to talk more but oh my God reliving the past six or eight years um is a bit of a um you know i felt the stress i felt my stomach tightening up again going yeah. through as she recapped what went on but she, but she ties it together even further digby in that you know she goes back to nixon and to mm-hmm. reagan when a lot oh, of these sure. ideas that trump has brought to fruition came up and with the same people it was paul manafort it was roger stone it was bill barr it's like oh my god these same characters they're recurring characters in a really bad never-ending drama well it's true and, and you know you always have to keep in mind and i know that everyone will agree with this donald trump has never had an original idea in his life true i mean even you know even make america great again even the vaunted maga what well, that was reagan's That's right. you know campaign theme a campaign slogan. So, you know, I mean, this guy has never come up with anything. America first. I mean, we all know where that came from. That's 1940s isolationist movement. Uh-huh. Not that he knew that, by the way. He didn't know that. They had to tell him that. But, you know, he just came out. He'd heard it somewhere. It sounded good to him. So, you know, that's absolutely a perfect point to make, which is that these ideas have been churning and bubbling around on the right for a long time. It took a demagogic 
idiot like Donald Trump to kind of put it together in this stew that actually would appeal to this many people that, you know, the, the, the cult that he's developed over this. But he didn't invent it. It's no. been growing for a long, long time, festering, and now it's metastasized into the mainstream of the Republican Party. And now you're looking at the polls like we're seeing now in the Republican nominating um, uh, race that, you know, Trump is running away with it. I mean, he's not, it's not even close. There's not even really a battle. So, you know, they love it. Right. But, you know, a few things that she points out, both in the book, and I don't even know, I, I, of course, the, the interview is just a blur to me, and I only had a half hour with her, and I'm like zipping through so much stuff. Um, but she points out a few things. One of them is that uh, um, the the this, you know, we could have all these uh, great notions. We know that the Constitution is on our side. We know the 14th Amendment should disqualify him. We know all these things. But she, she stresses that you cannot count on any of that happening. Um, and the fact that, 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 that it takes us, we all have to be active. We all have to be involved. She even used the Tom Hartman line, you know, politics is not a spectator sport. Or maybe he took that from someone else. But the fact that, uh, there are there are so many more of us than there are them. These are a minority. It's a small minority of the populace that is doing all this shit. Um, and it's up to us to make sure that they don't take control again. Uh, that's well, remember, you know, we would not have had George W. Bush and the war in Iraq, nor would we have had Donald Trump and the, you know, the complete catastrophe of his first term. If it weren't for the Electoral College, you know, these people did not win. You know, Bush won a majority in his second term after 9-11, but he wouldn't have been in office then. That's right. If, if it hadn't been for the Electoral College. I mean, this is a weird artifact of our slave-holding days back in the, in the you know, the the 18th century and you know this is the and and was never fully resolved after the civil war obviously um so you know we're dealing with a situation where we're we have this minority which is feeling itself and you know all you have to do is ask them and they'll tell you uh, all about their grievances and how they've you know they're being persecuted that they believe they have a right to you know dominate the country despite the fact that they are in a minority and it's a really daunting challenge it wouldn't be so bad i mean I mean, it's bad enough to have even 45% of the country voting for these people. But it's, it's horrifying when it can only take something like, you know, 15,000 yes. votes in a state or something to, to give these people power. So, you know, what what we're looking at now, and there's a lot of, you know, sturm and drong and, and all kinds of hand-wringing over the upcoming election, which looks like it's going to be very close for a variety of reasons. Um, but that is the state of our country right now. And and those numbers wouldn't mean as much if it weren't for the fact that we have the Electoral College, which will allow the minority of people to win without winning a majority. So, you know, you're absolutely right, and so is she, to say that this is really about... You know, you, people have got to be made aware once again, and I and I think that these trials are going to have uh, an effect on this. That we are looking at a very, very dangerous proposition to allow these people to come back into power, and it's not just Donald Trump; it's the whole crew, the whole Republican crew. Yep. Just look at what the majority is doing in the House, the the Republican majority. So, I mean, the election is really going to be about that. It's going to be about making sure that people understand the stakes because they are. Well, you, we all know it, right? We Probably do. Everybody who's listening here knows it. But, you know, a lot of people are going about their lives. They're not paying that close attention. 
And they may not realize because he's not in office and we're not in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, <laughs> there's a bunch of, you know, it all seems like the same old stuff. Um, that, that, you know, this is an absolute, you know, they always say it every time. It's the most important election of your lifetime. Yes. Uh, this and this one, one really, really is. is. I had said that same thing to her this morning. And we say it each time. And it seems like the stakes get higher and higher. But now we're fighting for the future of democracy, right. of our yeah. American democracy. Hey, Digby, uh, David stuck his head in and he, he, he's, he's got the microphone. Yeah. Well, I don't know if Digby knows who I am. My husband. You, I do. Digby knows oh, who I am. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm David. Wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Hi, Digby. Um, I was just listening to what you were saying about the Electoral College, and I would like to respectfully disagree. I think this time the Electoral College is working in our favor, and here's why. Trump is not going to win Pennsylvania. He's not going to win Michigan. He's not going to win Wisconsin. He's not going to win Arizona. Well, we hope. Nevada is going to be the closest... I believe, state among the so-called swing states, and his path to victory there even is very narrow. So I think this time the Electoral College is actually going to be working in our favor as opposed to against us. Now, I could be wrong, but just last week, Nicole, you may recall, Howie Klein was on, and he predicted a blue wave, or at least he said, I think there is a significant chance that there's going to be a blue wave. And again, Michigan just turned completely blue. Arizona, completely blue. Pennsylvania. Yes, in terms of who they elected, but so narrowly. And Arizona is still... Narrowly is good enough. I I get it. Pennsylvania, completely blue. Look at even Georgia. So uh, again, I think that that this time the Electoral College works for us rather than against us. And uh, I I pray to dog that that I'm right. I I hope you're (laughs) right. But you know, the, the thing is, I'd rather have majority rule. Isn't that what what happens in a democracy, yeah. Digby? <laughs> I would rather have it, but it's but it, I, you know I'm I'm not sure that David. I mean I don't disagree with that at all. Right. I mean we have seen these changes, particularly you know in the in these swing states yep. that that were very very close last time and and did deliver the win. By the way, he you know Biden did win, so yep. it's not like it's it's impossible. And hopefully they have changed enough. That they, you know, that they were, that they're able to secure that, um, you know, however narrow the majority is in those states, uh, in the electoral college. I'm hopeful about that too. I really am. But I don't want to blow smoke at anybody no. and suggest that it's not going to cause, it's not going to require, I should say, a, a, a very, very, you know, um, yeah, exceptional turnout effort. Um, people can't afford to be complacent about this. And, and, even, and even in those states, you know, that was very narrow before. It may be less narrow now, I hope. It would be really nice to have yeah. a nice, you know, resounding victory in all those states and kind of, you know, put to bed this particular dynamic that we've been dealing with since 2016. Um, but, you know, uh, assume, you know, we can't assume that. And so we have to, you know, we have to get people, you know, we've become such a whiny culture. I mean, I hate to sound like an old person here, and I am one, but, you know, it's just, it kind of gets on my nerves. <laughs> like everybody, stop whining for two minutes and just make a pact to just do whatever you can to vote in 2024. Get people out. Do what you can. I know everybody's busy. Give a little money if you can. Go out and you know register some voters and do some door knocking or whatever it takes to get people to vote. That's what it takes. It's yes. going to take everybody. You know this kind of concerted effort. And all that sounds really cliche and and you know kind of you know boring, frankly. But it is what it is. And, and, you know, we're looking at, I mean, there's a lot of 
talk, I don't know if you wanted to talk about this, but I think it's at the top of everybody's mind, about these polls that came out over yes, the weekend, particularly please. the Wall Street Journal poll. <laughs> that poll, I just want everybody to know who's listening here, that poll was done by a guy named Tony Fabrizio. You know who he works for? Donald Trump. <laughs> he is Donald Trump's pollster. Of course he so, is. <laughs> You know, I mean, come on. I mean, I see the name and I'm just going, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, Tony Fabrizio may be a totally, you know, upstanding guy, but he's not because he works for Donald Trump. (laughs) I mean, nobody upstanding would work for that asshole, right? Right. So, you know, this is, so everybody's looking at that poll and, oh my God, it's a, you know, it's Trump's running away with it in the Republican Party. Yes, he is. Whether it's by that much, I don't know, but it's a lot. Yeah. And then, you know, it's then, oh, you know, he's going to beat Biden and blah, blah, blah. And everybody's wringing their hands and whining about this, that, and I'm just going, look, first of all, all the polls that have been coming out so far, it's 14 months ahead of the election, by the way. And all the polls that are coming out by now are, are partisan polls. You know, you're not seeing a lot of real, you know, serious nonpartisan polling in, at this stage in the election. So everybody just cool your jets. We don't really know what the situation right. is yet between Biden and Trump. And yes, Biden's age is a huge factor. But Everybody's shouldn't Trump's age it. be a huge factor, too? If yeah, it, it should be. It's, but you it's know astounding what else is a huge to me. Factor? What? You know what else should be a huge factor? He's going to be on trial yes. during the campaign. Well, you know. To me, you know, that between Trump and his, you know, and, and you know, the, the solid majority of people who, you know, really can't stand the guy. Mm-hmm. And this, the fact that he's going to be on trial during the actual presidential campaign, yes, the MAGA cult is going to be with him. They're going to be standing out there cheering. They'll put on parties. They'll do whatever, even if he gets convicted. I have no doubt about that. You're not going to change any of those people's minds. But whatever factor there is about Biden's age is awash at the at worst with the fact that the other guy is on trial for felonies committed, like, you know, stealing classified documents and, and trying to overthrow an election and, you know, all this other stuff. Give me a break. I mean, it, Biden is not the underdog in that situation, okay, just because he's old. I mean, like somebody said it on Twitter the other day, and, I, and it made me laugh, you know, look, I'd vote for a potted plant over, <laughs> over Donald Trump. Exactly. I don't care, you know, and I really think that that's got to be the, the, the issue, that, you know, people have got to sort of stop whining about this and just go, yeah, okay, your boyfriend isn't running. I'm sorry that you don't have, you know, somebody cute and sexy to vote for. But it, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, you've got a guy who's on trial on 91 felony counts. And you've got another guy who's a bit, you know, who's real stiff when he walks and seems kind of old. Okay, you tell me which one you're going to pick. I, I agree. Mean, you but, just- you know, but but even, D- I, I love you, Digby, but even you, uh, look, there's three years difference between Trump and Biden. There's no difference at that age. Three years, a big deal between three and six. Or between 15 and 18, (laughs) but at 77 and 80, there's no difference. And have you seen Donald Trump walk? Uh, Have you seen, uh, you know, anything? It's astounding to me that so 70 some odd percent, according to this Wall Street Journal poll, again, take it with a grain of salt, think that Joe Biden's too old, but only 40 some odd percent think think Donald Trump is? It's ridiculous. Especially since, by the way, I don't know if everybody knows this, but, you know, Donald Trump's father had, you know, had spent the last 10 years of his life with Alzheimer's disease. Oy. Well, and It's in the family. I'm sure it is. And I, I, as I've said before, not that it's up to me, but I would put Joe Biden up against Donald Trump on every front. Put, do a mental acuity test. 
I'd take Biden. Yeah. Did, there was a there was a Medal of Honor ceremony today at the White House. I thought, yeah. I happened to see it too because I was in the kitchen making lunch, and I thought, you know what? He sounds sharp. He's making jokes. He's never been a good speaker, Joe Biden, because he's a stutterer, and so he 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 is an odd speech pattern. But he's never been a great speaker. But there's nothing wrong with his mind. I, I, no, I, th- he's fine. And, you know, one of the things that I say to people, yes, you know, people are worried because I think they're worried because they think other people are going to be worried. And right. they're afraid something's going to happen to him when he's president. And, you know, that brings up the second <laughs> yeah, aspect of this that, that I think is the problem, is that, you know, people are not convinced that the vice president is, I don't know, worthy, capable, whatever, of stepping in. Um, and it should something happen to Biden. I think that does make a difference in some people's minds that for, you know, I, I, I feel like it's kind of unfair in a way because I'm not quite sure what, what Kamala Harris has done to s- suggest that she would be worse than Donald Trump. Yep. I, I don't, you know, I can't see Nothing. that. I don't, and you can know, you imagine people- who he's going to pick as his running mate? Maybe it'll be Marjorie Taylor Greene. Then people yeah. would love to have Kamala Harris as president. Oh, my God. What, look, <laughs> whoever he picks is going to be a dud. That's they right. They don't have anything but duds. I mean, there's That's nobody. Right. There is just not one person. I mean, I guess who could it be where people would go, you know, that really changes my mind about Nobody. Trump. I mean, that's Nobody. the boy he made it. You know, there there isn't anybody. And I think it's probably going to be somebody like Christy Nome. Although apparently oh Taylor Green and uh, Carrie Lake come up quite often <laughs> in the conversation. Oh so, you oh, know, please. maybe we'll get lucky there. But, oh, I... that, you know, that, that's what a lot of this is. And I think I think with, with that you're absolutely right that, that people letting Trump off the hook as some kind of a, you know, a middle-aged fella right. is just wrong. I mean, he's 77, and he's probably not in good health. You know, they lie about his health all 215, the time. 215, my ass. Yeah, I you mean, know, everybody knows and that. And strawberry blonde hair. Oh, yeah, baby. Um, you know, Digby, you mentioned the, the fact that he will likely... He will be on trial throughout yeah. the primaries and all that. Well, Mehdi Hassan, who I still think is the best thing they have on, on MSNBC, yeah, and they don't great. use him enough, had this segment. I don't know if he put this together. I'm guessing he did. Um, with a bunch of Fox personalities. Oh, I saw that. Um, you know, talking about, oh, my God. Well, if Hillary's the nominee, she'll be under federal investigation. She'll be on trial. And let me just play this because the hypocrisy. <laughs> we know that the the uh, definition of Republican today is hypocrite. But this just this just puts it all uh, right out there in in the open. OK, here we go. We cannot have a country led by a president subject to ongoing criminal investigations, potential indictments, and never-ending hearings. The RICO statute, that's just theater. That's just a bunch of theater <laughs> and now, in the midst right. of uh, sure. politics and, and a legal thing. Okay. Hillary Clinton could be sworn into office while still being under investigation from the FBI, which would then put this country into a major <laughs> constitutional crisis. Whoops. This will be nothing other than a a show indictment to cover their overtly political, never-ending persecution of any and all things <laughs> Donald J. Trump. She's under FBI investigation less than two weeks before the presidential election. Holy smokes. Yes, Donald Trump is a flawed man, but his sins are minor compared to those oh, of his persecutors. Please. The American people are about to have a candidate Newt. who is clearly going to be under criminal investigation. Yeah for the entire first and second year of her presidency. All these indictments are about politics. Not a single one of them is about the law. 
Oh, please. So, I, I mean, that was just so spot on. But again, it happens every time. The hypocrisy is stunning. And yet the lemmings just don't. It goes right over their heads, doesn't it? I'm not even sure it goes over their heads. I think they, you know, I think they approve of it. I mean, I think that they, look, I've been saying for a long time, and I'm not the only one who says it, you know, shamelessness is their superpower. (laughs) You know, when you have no shame, you have a, a much more latitude to, you know, do and say whatever benefits you in the moment. And I really think that's where they're at. They know that that this is a completely hypocritical stance, and I think most of his voters do, too. They just don't care because they think that they have, you know, that, that they are in the right in terms of, you know, being obliged or entitled, I guess, to to be in power and that they have to do anything and everything it takes to make that happen. I mean, we saw it on January 6th as the best example. There was no restraint there. Those people completely lost all restraint and said, we have to stop <laughs> the peaceful transfer of power, and they stormed the Capitol. I mean, and that's just, a, you know, a perfect illustration of the fact that, granted, there were a lot of people there who didn't storm the Capitol, right. but that's not saying much. Thousands of people did. And, and you know, the idea that... that you know, they're ever going to have some kind of an epiphany about this. It, it, it's just not going to happen. And, you know, it's interesting. I'm glad you played the part with Newt Gingrich because, again, we go back to the Heather Cox Richardson, mm-hmm. you know, historical perspective. And Gingrich is really a pivotal guy in this whole thing that we're living through now. He is pivotal. What he did was when he came in in 1992, uh, you know, he had created this group called GOPAC, and I'm sure most people know this, but it's worth recapitulating anyway just to remind ourselves of how we got here. And he created this group, and they put together a list of, of words and sayings to use against the other side to degrade them, right? I mean, this was about demeaning the political opposition in ways that made them repulsive to the everyday voters. Yeah. And it was a propaganda uh, campaign that worked really, really well. And it was taken up by people that, like, you know, good old Rush, right? Rush Limbaugh and others who sort of spent years sort of, you know, tilling the soil of this loathing for the political opposition as not just opposition, but, uh, you know, actual enemies and, and people who were bent on destroying everything these pe- they care about. And this was a very cynical political calculation on the part of Newt Gingrich. He knows better. You know, he yes. was in the Congress. He knows better. But, but he is doing this because he knows that it works. And now I think a lot of these people that are voting for Trump or in the Trump cult, I think they really, they genuinely think this is, this is the way it is. And if they don't, they don't care. They just think that, they, that whatever it takes to win is what we have to do. And and by the way, if anybody were listening to this from the other side, they would say, "Yeah, well, that's you're, you're projecting. That's what you do, <laughs> right?" I mean, this is this is their this is their big defense on it. And and it's hard, you know. Like you and I have been doing this for a long time, and we were discussing it. You know, yep. twenty years yep. of of following this stuff. And of course, we were following it long before that as well. I mean, throughout the nineties, I was riveted to this because I could see this development, you know, happening. You could you could watch it in real time. Yep. And um, you know, you you. You you know you you sit there and you you look at at how this has unfolded over this period of time and uh, it almost seems preordained you know these were people who set out to do this and it you know it took the 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 coup de gras was to get a demagogue a rich you know quote glamorous right. demagogue 
like Donald Trump to come in and and spew the message and you know here we are and and you know they will say you know we live in this mirror universe I'm very interested to read this new book by Naomi Klein I mean, yes, you probably heard about it called Doppelganger yeah because we've been talking about this too for all these years right is that yep. we're, we're they're living in a in a, it's like a mirror world. It's a, I always call it Bizarro World after the comics, right? After the the, right. the, the Superman comics, um, and in which everything is, you know, it's opposite land. It's opposite and, world. And You've it's, heard my my theory of opposite world. It's exactly where we are right now. Yeah, and it's and it's it's torturous. It's very hard to maintain. And I found this, you know, throughout the twenty years of doing this. It, you really have to take the make the effort to you know to maintain your you know your clear view of reality, right? And you know, of course, we all have times when we're kind of going, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm not talking about whether I'm right or wrong in my opinions, right? Those can change. I can certainly be wrong. I have been wrong many, many most times. You know, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that, but it's just how you view the actual reality of the moment. What is actually happening? The facts upon which we're arguing. And it, it's really difficult to do it. And I think for average people, an awful lot of people just kind of throw up their hands and they either retreat into tribalism, just kind of go, well, you know, my daddy was a Democrat and mm-hmm. I'm a Democrat, you know, the, whatever, because it's easier. Or they just kind of make the cynical assumption that they're all a bunch of liars and so who cares. And that's part of why we're at the position, in the position we're in today. Uh, it is. And yeah, the opposite world thing is astounding and the projection. But, you know, it, what, uh, this is what has me ripping my hair out. It's the gaslighting. It, it's it's it is opposite right. world. It's you know, it's them saying uh, that the, we're the ones doing the projection. It, you know, it's just like, <laughs> are you kidding no! me? Like, but, yeah, yeah I, again, this is where I, I go nuts. You know, that the another one of the outcomes of that poll, that same poll shows that the more charges that have been leveled against Trump, the higher his Republican support, which but but I'm hoping that once at least the Georgia trials will be televised and hopefully the federal ones will be, too. We'll see. But, um, you know, that that's going to take some work. But I'm hoping that once people who only listen to right wing propaganda will hear the facts, they'll go, oh, wait a minute. What he did was really fucked up. Well, yeah. I mean, y- you would hope that would they hope, will but- at least watch it, or that it will be broadcast. I mean, you know, a lot of this depends on whether the right-wing media even carries, uh, you know, it. deigns right. to share it with their audience. And I'm not sure that that the trials that they'll show it. They didn't show the January sixth. Well, that's very that's much. why they remember the the January sixth committee hearings that were going to be televised, they thought it was going to be like Watergate, where everyone ran it. And the right-wing channels didn't show it, which is why they opted, I guess, to run it during the daytime hours, because they'll show it during the day, some, but they wouldn't show it at night. Yeah. Oh, they wouldn't interrupt Laura or Tucker, you know. Right. They're celebrity hosts for anything. Right. Um, Yeah. And I mean, I don't know whether or not, I don't know if, I I mean, like I said before, and I think you agree, I mean, we all agree, the the bulk of the MAGA cult is unreachable. I mean, I don't know what will help, what will change their minds, maybe when, when Trump finally shuffles off this mortal coil. They will, you know, wake up and go, gee, maybe that, or they won't ever wake no, up. They will just be, they, you know, maybe they'll move on, I guess I should say. They believe but for that right Trump, now, they're deep in. Right. They believe that Trump, though, was the character that he played in The Apprentice when it, it was a fictional, made up thing. Yeah. He was 
bankrupt. He was having real money problems, but they made him out to be the Donald Trump of the tabloids. And these people bought it. And they, it, that, that's also scary. The rewriting of the history books. Again, that's why I think this, this uh, Heather Cox Richardson book is so important because it, it ties it all together. Um, you know, in other news, Digby, I, I keep, I'm keeping an eye on the TV because Enrique Tarrio's <clears throat> sentencing for January 6th should happen any minute now. He's been in court for the last few hours, and I'm hoping that they come there. The prosecutors are asking for 33 years, but I think the longest sentence handed down so far to one of his lieutenants was 18. So, um, uh, you know, again, I don't know if this is going to be a case where we see these underlings held accountable, but, uh, but another you know piece that I took from the book is showing how, again, history repeats uh, Iran Contra. Fourteen oh, yeah. of them were indi- were arrested. Eleven were indicted, and and then H. Uh, w. Bush pardoned everybody. You had yeah. um, Ford pardon Nixon. So we do not have a history in this country of holding our elected officials accountable. It's usually some little guy. Look with the bank, you know, failures of two thousand eight. Some little peon, you know, served a couple months in jail, but nobody responsible for the mess did. Well, that's true, and it is, I mean, you know, you, when you go back to the Nixon time, I mean, one thing we should know about, remind people about the Nixon thing, a bunch of his top people, including the Attorney General, um, you know, John Mitchell, and all of his top people, they actually did go to jail. John and by Dean. the way, they did real time. Yeah, I mean, John they Dean did like too. 18 months, a couple years. I think G. Gordon Liddy did yeah. it in like six, seven years. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they, they did actual time, and they ended up, you know, testifying, I mean, the, the, you know, the two top guys testified, you know, Haldeman and Ehrlichman. They pretty right. much covered for the boss, but they had John Dean in there, yes, they and did. they had the tapes. So, you know, that was very helpful. Um, so it does happen. I mean, Mark Meadows, I think, is thinking about that a little bit. Maybe somebody mentioned that yes. to him. And you to- know, that, that, that we have a tendency, in other words, to back up your, your, but your, your point, to, you know, put some people in jail. They get to carry carry the load while the top guy skates. Almost, you know, right. almost always skates. Yes, but uh, so. Politico today, I don't know if you saw, Politico has a story up this morning. Headline mm-hmm. reads, Trump's co-defendants are already starting to turn on him. That's right. There's a nascent courtroom strategy by some people close to Donald Trump. Heap blame on the former president. And the first line is, the finger pointing among Donald Trump's inner circle has begun. We can only hope. And the word is that Mark Meadows is among them. Well, we know that he is, because when he testified last week, which shocked everybody, nobody expected to see that guy on the stand. It was a very risky, you know, uh, option for him to take. But for whatever reason, I think they felt there was nobody else to speak for him and no witness that he could bring in to speak for him, so he had to speak for himself. And he made some real mistakes in his testimony. I mean, some of the stuff he said, which was, you know, he mentioned that he was doing it uh, you know, on behalf of the campaign at one point. These were things he said under oath. He's mentioned that, uh, you know, that it was, if he didn't, I mean, this is my favorite, and we've all been talking about this over the last few days, about how he said, you know, well, if I didn't do get call up and try to coordinate the electors, he says, well, why, why would you do that? He said, well, if I didn't do it, I'd be yelled at by the president. <laughs> well, now, why would you be yelled at by the president mm. if he wasn't... <laughs> 
if he wasn't, you know, aware of what was going on and basically, you know, uh, insisting that you do it, right? So, I mean, there was, he's already doing that. Now, I don't, Mark Meadows is not the sharpest tool in the show. No. And, and he's a yes man who tells everybody what they want to hear. And he made some mistakes in there, but it's pretty clear that his lawyer, who is, is one of the sharpest tools in the shed and who knows what he's doing, is basically, I mean, he's trying to get him into federal court so that he can then claim the sovereign immunity, um, which would mean that, you know, he can't be, he can't be tried and that would, they would drop the case entirely. And I'm sure Donald Trump may try to do that too. But it may not fly because some of the stuff that he said there was definitely, you know, saying that he was doing things on behalf of the campaign and not as part of his federal federal role. Now we're still waiting for the judge to decide whether or not they're going to remove that case to the federal uh, to the federal courts. And you know, I, I think that what you're seeing there is a lawyer, George Terwilliger, who has kept very you know tight tight. Um, reign over over Meadows, who said virtually nothing this entire time. Nothing has the Trump people scared to death because he knows everything, right? And he was involved in all of it. And I think yeah, I think there's a very good chance that this is going. You know, Meadows is going to save himself. I mean, why would you go to jail for Donald Trump? For I don't sake? know, but there were reports. Remember, just I think it was it was Friday, it was Thursday or Friday that Meadows surprisingly testified for like four or five hours well now yeah. they're saying he caught he got caught in so many lies because he he said too much and he he was tripping over himself now yeah. i didn't read the the transcript but i heard enough discussions about the transcript that he he stepped in it over and over again and the That's judge right. is is not happy oh breaking news hold on let's bring up the audio uh enrique tell you're not going to hear it but I will uh, sentence to 22 years in prison. Holy shit. 22 years. Let me unmute this if I can. This quote, Mr. Tario was the ultimate leader of the conspiracy. On the stand, I am surprised. You and me both. 22 years. Wow. Well, see, I mean, the thing about Tario, and this is very, very interesting in light of of the, the Donald Trump case, because... Terrio wasn't there. Right. He was in Baltimore. That's right. While the, while the insurrection was happening. But he, they he wasn't proved that he was coordinating and inciting his people to do it. Guess who else was inciting people to do it? Donald Trump. Exactly. Yep. Not there. Uh, this, uh, I, I got I, I to try to pull this up. Um, this is, this is, I think it's great news because it's yeah. it's finally saying okay you didn't have to be there it's, and that's a huge issue um, yeah. yeah well let me uh, if I can bring this up um, uh, Digby is our guest but there is breaking news Enrique Terrio the uh, the leader of the Proud Boys sentenced to twenty two years in prison uh, here we go join live. All right, hopefully this will come up here. To George Washington, the judge said, quote, it slanders the father of our country to speak that way. Um, so clearly this is a this judge is who took speaking. what happened on January 6th very seriously. And my final point is um, this is not a good thing for Donald Trump. There I said go. this repeatedly. It's obviously just a prediction. But for the judges in D.C., like Judge Chutkin, who have seen all of these January 6 cases, the leaders of the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers doing significant time. 
the idea that the general, the person, as you have pointed out, Nicole, who is alleged to have led this and for whom they were acting, the idea that that Donald Trump will not be sentenced to jail if he is convicted seems remote to me because the judges are living through this and seeing all of these other defendants. And it's anathema, I think, to them and the rule of law that people who are underlings would get this kind of sentence and that the leader would not. Ooh. Well, and I, 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 Digby, what did you, Andrew Weissman, who you know he's he's been at those highest levels of of uh, the Justice Department, and uh, everything he's saying makes sense. It makes total sense. That's what I just you know that that's why my first reaction there was by sentencing Terrio, who wasn't mm-hmm. there, but who was who was had been proven to be ordering and coordinating this whole thing from afar. That it, I felt exactly the way Weissman did. My right. instant reaction is, oh, my God, that is not good for Donald Trump, who was also doing all that. So, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out, because there are people who are coming, you know, who are involved in, you know, he, there's a whole bunch of unindicted co-conspirators and other people that Jack Smith has on his agenda, yep. not to mention what's going on down there in, in uh, Georgia, that, um, you know, have got to be looking at that and kind of thinking, hmm, you know, I mean, I wonder if maybe it's worth my while to, um, you know, uh, to tell what I know. Let's just put it that yes. way. Because, um, the, you know, it's not looking good for people who were coordinating the uh, attempted overthrow of the government and the uh, blocking the peaceful transfer of power on January 6th. That's right. And a lot of people were. A lot of people were. And nobody more than Donald Trump himself. You know, Digby, I have to hope that this is the beginning of... Uh, you know, the, the sanity returning to this nation. Um, I noticed that in Tennessee, which I, I, I've been watching in disbelief with what's happening there with the the Justins, um, and and the 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 lack of um, this Tennessee uh, uh, Senate, the Tennessee uh, it, what is it, the Senate, the House, the administ- the the Assembly there. To, to care about the people who live in the state. And I think you and I both know a lot of people who've moved to Nashville in recent years. Yeah. Um, well, the big news today is that Gloria Johnson, who was the third of the Nashville Three, mm-hmm. of course, she's the white woman, so they let her stay. She didn't have to get kicked out and get reelected to get back in. She announced today she's running for Senate. She's challenging Marsha Blackburn. Good, good. That's and in fact, awesome. Marsha Blackburn is one of the worst oh. people in the U.S. Senate. So. Horrible. Yeah, Horrible. happy to see her her be challenged and and Gloria Johnson's she's really good you know I mean when they asked her that day when they you know they they um, you know what ejected the 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 two um, black representatives the Justins had, yeah and uh, the two Justins right and you know they said well what, you know what do you think the difference is why did they let you stay and she said I'm the right color that's right she's she, <laughs> you know, she's so she wasn't the afraid truth. to tell nope. it like it is nope. So good. I hope she she eviscerates Marsha Blackburn. I hope this is the year of a big wave. Um, you know, Digby, I always talk with Howie about the Blue America Pack, but you're part of it as well. You and John Amato and, and Howie Klein run that together. I know Howie does most of the vetting, I believe, of the candidates, but you guys pick who you support. Um, how's the field shaping up this year? Well, it's pretty good. I mean, you know, progressives, I think people really have to, to stop and take a look. I don't know if you remember, did you happen to read the interview with uh, AOC on in The Guardian over the weekend? I did. It I, was great. I mean, I you think know. so. I think she's she maturing. And I think she's wonderful. And anybody who's bad-mouthing her needs to take a look in the mirror. Because I, she's doing exactly what she needs to do. 
Of course, and 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 not only that, but the way she, the, you know, she's just uh, she's just a really really good politician, yeah. and and the way that she is able to articulate these problems, she reminds me, and I don't mean this in any sort of bad way. I'm I'm just saying in a good way, of of the way Bill Clinton used to be able to explain complex yeah. problems and and issues and things. Some some politicians have that talent, and she has it, and um, she, you know, she's just really great, and I think that she's an avatar of what's going on in the progressive. Um, the progressive movement within the Democratic Party. You know, I really feel so optimistic about that, I have to say, much more than I have out of the whole 20 years that I've been doing Uh this, and maybe going back the previous 20 as well, where I was just in despair about the, you know, the Democratic Leadership Conference and all the, you know, the way that they were going to the right. My my feeling right now is is that this is a movement that has really matured and really learned how to go about gaining and using power uh, in a way that really benefits people. And I think that if you just look at the Joe Biden administration, I mean, this Joe Biden is not a progressive. He never was. He's as mainstream a Democrat as you get, but that's where the party is, that's and right. that's where he is. And and they are the ones bringing the party along now. And so, uh, you know, I feel pretty confident. So uh, as far as the field is concerned, you know, Howie does all the vetting, and he, you know, he is, is the main energy force. I mean, John and I, at best, you know, once in a while, <laughs> weigh in with something specific. Uh-huh. But, you know, we're more than happy uh, with with what he's done. And he, you know, I think he's feeling optimistic and enthusiastic, too. Um, so, you know, that tell, says a lot to me, because, you know, he's not a guy who's going to blow smoke about that. Stuff. <laughs> no, you know, not he, about anything. Right. He tells it as it is, uh, like it is. So, yeah, I mean, I do feel good about it. And I feel like the Progressive Caucus, I mean, just look at the last, you know, uh, well, since Trump came in. Yeah. Look at what the progressives have done. You know, they've just been so, you know, keeping their eyes on the president. You know, it's like the AOC said in the interview. And she's going, I've got a lot of differences with the administration. Digby, we have a Digby, lot of work to I, do. I, I, need to, I need to interrupt for one second because Jackie is in the chat room and she said, hey, don't forget me. Hey, don't forget Jackie. Oh, <laughs> my God. Jackie. Talk about who does all the work. <laughs> there you there's, go. <laughs> there's somebody who really does all the work. I mean, you know, I mean, not to say that right. Howie doesn't do a lot of work, but Jackie. Yes. Jackie is the heart and soul of Blue America. She does all the social media. She does all the, all the actual, you know, work of getting out the word and doing all that stuff. Yes. So, bravo to Jackie. You, go. you are the yes. queen. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had to inter- I had to get that in there because I I don't of want course, Jackie I'm to feel neglected. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that was wrong of me to have forgotten as I was. I'm of, glad well, she's I'm glad too. she spoke up. I there. said you, John and Howie and it, yes, there's Jackie who is in yeah, the chat oh, room under Blue America. So <laughs> uh, you can't forget that. Um, by the way, I also need to point out today, Sheldon Whitehouse filed an ethics complaint against Yay. Samuel Alito, accusing him of improperly interfering with congressional efforts to reform the court. Their stance is, hey, we can police ourselves. And you know what I say to that? Bullshit. It's bullshit. Nobody else gets to police themselves. Sorry, okay. we have a, a checks and balances system of government, allegedly. Uh, they need some <laughs> checks on that court because they've all gone Absolutely. insane. Absolutely. Look at what they're doing. I mean, this is ridiculous. This stuff with Thomas and Alito, and, you know, it goes back. There was an article. I can't. I wish I could remember where I read it. Going back and looking at Scalia, too. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was as bad as Thomas in his wow. day. In fact, remember, he died at somebody's fancy, you know, ranch, I think, down in Texas, right? <laughs> I mean, he was, he was getting one of those luxurious vacations as he checked out. So, you know, this is, uh, this is a real problem, and it's really interesting 
how, you know, who it is that is who, you know, the most conservative, far-right extremist judges are the most corrupt. Huh? That's right. Surprise, surprise, surprise. surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, Digby, thank you so much for coming on today. A great way to start, you know, the next chapter. It's Labor Day is over. We know summer doesn't officially end until late September. But, you know, um, once Labor Day hits, you you know, you're not supposed to wear white anymore. I buck that all the time. (laughs) I do in total (laughs) defiance of that outdated rule. Me too. Damn it. And and it's still hot as hell here. where I'm going, but you know, so it's still it's still summer to me. But but Mitch McConnell, the Senate's back, and Mitch McConnell said nothing to look at here. I'm fine. Doctors say oh, I'm yeah. fine. No stroke. No nothing. So just like you know, Trump, they're fine. Yeah. But Joe Biden's old and and demented. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, Digby. Thank you so much, uh, everybody. Be sure to find Digby. Of course, at salon.com. And and digbysblog.net, that is the home of Hullabaloo these days. Our pal Spocko, who is a regular in the chat room these days, uh, writes there along with Tom Sullivan and a few other people. And, and uh, you know, keep a running tab on what's happening in the world there. Digby, I always appreciate your time and your Oh, input. my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Anytime. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you again. Okay, bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. Digby, everybody. Heather Digby Parton. She's still on the shitter at uh, um, uh, uh, at Digby56. Okay, with that, we're done. Tomorrow, I don't know what we're doing tomorrow yet. Um, again, I'm I'm being pulled in 20 different directions at once. I appreciate this, Paco says. I heard that Mitch is 215 pounds and 6'3". Touche. 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 Um yeah, Caroline says, I would love it if Biden chose White House for VP. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. It, it is Kamala. Um, anyway, all right, I'm going to go. I will be scattered for the next couple of weeks until we get on the road. Uh, but there's nothing new about that, right? Thank you for bearing with me. I will see you all tomorrow with something. We'll have, there, there will be something to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about Enrique Tarrio. All right, uh, hasta mañana, amigos. Keep your heads up. I think good things are coming. 22 years. Love it. Bye.